This podcast brought to you by ACES, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Morin for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. Director of Experience Planning for DraftCB, Russ Unger, shares insights on the basics of heuristic evaluation and how it can be utilized for your company's pitch process. This guerrilla-style approach for heuristic evaluation was designed to help information architects engage work partners from other disciplines within the organization and learn to work with them to rapidly generate useful content for sales and account teams. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So, hey. All right, so let me start with uh, some honest truthfulness, and that is um, this is not going to blow your mind if you're senior level. So Christina's given a fantastic talk. Um, I'm saying this to set expectations, not because I think my presentation sucks. Uh, look, somebody already bought it. That's awesome. Um, no, but it's, it's the truth, and it's one of the things that I think at the summit we don't always kind of do the best job of, of talking about what level presentations are. So anyway, let's get started. What is heuristic analysis? Uh, it's a technique that you can use to evaluate the usability of, of an existing design um, based on best practices, which we've heard a lot in the last couple of days. Uh, best practices in the UX field, which, well, it's basically a genius design review of uh, a site or competing sites using heuristics. But let's talk about best practices. Um, because I hate that word, or those words, best practices. Um, the definition, formally, I guess, is techniques or methodologies that, through experience and research, has proven to be uh, to, to reliably lead to a desired result. Uh, to desire, uh, desired result. The problem with that is things are always changing. So, um, to quote a good friend of mine, what it really means is, shit that worked in the past that may or may not work in the future. All right, so... <sighs> So heuristics, I kind of hate that word because it's another one of those words that uh, we in the industry, it seems like we just love to use jargony crap to make people think that we're really smart. Heuristics are rules of thumb. They're for reasoning, they're simplification, or an educated guess, kind of like best practices, um, that they reduce or limit the search for solutions in domains and um, they don't guarantee any, any real optimal or formal results. Uh, in fact, what it really kind of means is that uh, you've got an opinion about a design and you should be able to defend it intelligently, right? Good. Sorry, we didn't move when we were supposed to move. So let's get some heuristics. Um, so we all see that there's Mr. Nielsen and there's a nice URL to go check some of his. He's got things like visibility of system status. So for example, if you are clicking a download button and you don't see something is downloading and you keep clicking it and all of a sudden you've got five things downloading but you're not aware of it, it could reduce performance of you, could reduce performance of the system, could reduce performance on the server that you're getting it from. Um, there's also some from Tog, uh, Bruce Tognazzini, who has a long, long, uh, a long, long list including Fitz Law. So an example of this would be um, if you're using a microwave uh, let's see, what would take longer to um, 
cook boil water for a minute and 10 seconds or a minute and 11 seconds? Who's got the answer? Quick. You guys are participatory as hell. All right. So the answer is one minute and 11 seconds because you're doing the touch thing of one, one, one start, not one, one crap, where's the zero start. You just wasted an extra second or two trying to find that number. No matter how well you know it, the little space for that zero is kind of small. So you can use these uh, from, from Jacob or from Bruce, or you can naturally roll your own. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so here's an example, kind of predict before you click. Um, is what you see the ne uh, next what you expected to see? And why or why not? Uh, or maybe have a clear call to action on your next step. Can you find what you're supposed to do, and then do you know what's coming next? So which heuristics do you use and when, kind of? Um, you can use either, either Nielsen's or Togs. That's not, not a problem. But the typical sort of IA UX answer here is it depends. So look at your situation, see what fits. Um, base, you know, base it upon your project, what your project dictates. Basically, you're smart people. You look through these lists and you'll kind of figure one out. So why do we use it? Well, it's, it's fairly quick. It's uh, kind of an inexpensive way. Uh, I talked to somebody a week or so ago who actually did a heuristic analysis for a major corporation, and it took him about 8 to 12 hours. Um, he got pretty engaged in it, and you know, he, he was able to give this to his client, and his client's feedback was it articulated what they already knew, but that it was written in such a good way that it, it, um, it really helped them kind of take it back to the team in, in a different fashion. So uh, just keep in mind that this doesn't involve actual users, and it should not be a replacement for true user research. Um, in fact, it's possible that if you're lucky, 50% of, of what your findings are may be validated by research, or more or less, it's a whole, your mileage may vary. So into the meat of it all, how do I actually do it? And honestly, I just thought that picture was cool. So while the heuristics that you're going to use may change from uh, all the projects that you're doing, the, the, really the, the process is going to be the same. Uh, you gather product and project background knowledge. So what are we doing? What are we trying to get done? What, what are we working on? Choose the heuristics you're going to use. And then you walk through prioritized areas of the site and you identify where the heuristics are followed or um, not followed. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's talk about gathering. You, you want to make sure that um, you have the objectives of the site, a list of the main user groups, um, the information, the kind of the environment people are going to be in, um, somebody who's using a computer in a factory might be a lot different than those of us with true full-time desk jobs. So analysis is kind of, it's going to be a lot different for general consumers versus, say, medical supplies users. You just want to make sure that you're, you're being smart about it, you know their, their background enough. So it's kind of research light. So pick your heuristics. And a, lot of, a little more background on my slide here. Anybody remember that movie Cutting Edge from the 80s? Toe pick? Come on. Come on, people. Work with me. Thank you. That's great. All right. So first, you want to choose a heuristic. So there's a lot. We've already kind of talked about uh, Jacob and Tog, but we've talked about the visibility of uh, the system status. In general, you want to keep it to about 8 to 12. Keep it manageable. You don't want to give somebody a, a, thick, a thick stack of paper that they're just not going to look at. You want to make it something valuable. Um, 
You also want to identify your key observations. So, for example, each, each observation that you're looking for, you should kind of go through what the general observation is. Um, we found out that users were, you know, clicking download seven times. Uh, the short description of that is, well, every time they did that, we noticed that their computer slowed down, uh, the server started stalling, people uh, couldn't access other pages of the site, and then what the impact rating is. So is it severe, is it mild, does it you know, need to be something that we can do much, much later? <coughs> and last but not least, make recommendations. I mean, it's great to do this analysis, but share the ideas or next steps of, um, of exploration for them. Um, it may serve as a remedy to the problem that you encountered, but at the same time, it might also lead to business requirements later. Um, so when a user is making a transaction, show that the transaction is processing. Do not allow the user to continue to use calls to action on the page until uh, the transaction is complete. Kind of a, a simple thing. So what about the pitch process? This is kind of why we're here. So this is where I tell you that this isn't rocket science. Um, it's common sense. This is why you want to do it, though. Um, it's easy for me to sit up here, stand up here, sit up here. Hell, it's easy for me to go on a panel and, and talk about evolving or dying and kind of being a jerk about it. That was a role, just so we all know. Um, if you think you're in the little IA role, it would kind of be crappy of me to sit up here and call you out for it and then not try to give you something to help out. See, I'm not a bad guy. Keep laughing. So... <laughs> so, anyway, with that said, this is how to do it. Does that mean everybody knows who Montel Jordan is and the song, This is how we do it? Yeah, all right, see? It didn't just seem funny at the time, it's funny now? Great. All right. You guys are all right, I like you. All right. See, I almost passed out a book there. Next person who laughs, I think we'll get a book. Next person who runs up here and laughs can have a book. Wow, apparently the book is only good for laughter alone. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. All right. I tried, Lou. Um, so, <laughs> so here's how you do it. Um, so as I said before, it took somebody that I know, you know, 8 to 12 hours to do heuristic analysis. So for you, I think you can do it in 2 to 4 hours, maybe a full day at the most. Um, first of all, schedule a meeting for 1 to 2 hours. Uh, maybe be smart about it, entice your guests, get them some food. So if you can do a lunch hour meeting, that's fantastic. Invite three to four people, maybe more, um, but try to get different people from your company, from different disciplines. So try not to get other IAs or UX people. Um, I have a, a feeling that we all tend to go to the same sites when we review stuff, so it's nice to get different people uh, in the room who have different perspectives on things. Um, that said, you'd like, for example, I'll give us a good example that we'll go through, and, and we'll say um, accountant sales. Um, so get somebody from accountant sales, get somebody from uh, development. I like developers. Um, maybe get a graphic designer, a visual designer, and maybe get a project manager. Um, just telling you how I feel about these people subtly. <laughs> um, get them all in a room, because in general, they've probably worked on different projects of you, as you. Um, and if it's not possible, maybe you've got a really small company and you're that sole practitioner and there's, you know, um, only a dozen people in your company, any group of coworkers is okay for this. But the idea is just get people with different experiences and backgrounds uh, and just make sure that you're not the one in your own rut of thinking. Um, 
So then after that, you want to uh, identify the key areas for attack. I can drink now because you're going to watch this and it's still funny. <laughs> so based upon the pitch, you should kind of know what you're going after, right? You should, um, if your business pitch is for a company that wants to do retail online, you have a pretty good idea that, um, that you'll want to go after product views, product detail, purchase funnels, uh, tracking systems, etc. Then you're pretty much ready to go. So let's do one. Who wants to play? Oh, I have a note for myself here that says quit stalling. So your role is you are the moderator. And, and the one thing I've learned from, from the last few conferences is that lolcats gets laughs. Um, most likely your partic participants aren't going to know what heuristics are. They're sure as hell not going to know what the evaluation is. So again, take out the jargon and, and let's keep it simple. Let's give the participants scenarios to work in. Um, you really don't have to spell out heuristics. I, frankly, they probably don't care. So here's our scenario. We've got a potential client. Anybody going to give me a client? Anybody? Great, great. Hewlett Packard. Um, I've got a 34-year-old customer. Her name is Jane. <laughs> and Jane wants to buy her first laptop. Um, she doesn't understand computer jargon. She uses her dad and her... Uh, her husband, that's what they do. She likes to go out and do searches and, and kind of comes back to them and says, is this right? Is this right? This looks nice. And they say, $700 for that piece of crap. Anyway, not that Hewlett Packard is a piece of crap, just saying. So the first thing you do is you want to review the uh, current state of the website. And this is it today. Breathe it in. Does anybody besides me think it's kind of confusing? Anybody want to call something out that they don't think is fantastic about it? For woo, too much text. What else? Small fonts. Navigation sucks. Too many what buttons? Right on. No max. Hey, that's brilliant. That's it's urgent that you buy this. What else we got? What's that? No visual hierarchy. Hiding all the reviews. That's brilliant. Actually, I think they're right here, just so you know. I, I'm not saying that's an excuse. I just know where it's at. I made the slide. Um, genuine Windows Vista. Genuine. That's for Lou. All right. So, so if you've got everybody looking at this, and, and I would imagine that... Um, like this group of smart people, that group of smart people is going to shout out a whole bunch of things very similarly. Um, and I think that what, what the people in this room would do is we would all go to Dell and Apple and might even go to Acer or something you know, in that vein and, and try to find competitors and, and stay within our comfort zone and, and what we think is the normal thing to do. But when we talk about you know, our accountant sales team, the designer, the developer, and the project manager, well, their perspective might be just a little bit different. And, and as I asked some of these folks what their sites are that they've, they've worked on, uh, my accountant salesperson said, I like Zappos. So that's what, a site that I might not have thought about. Uh, the designer, I bet you all can guess. Yeah, hey. Um, the developer, the developer was pretty cool. I liked his choice. It was Etsy. Yeah. And then our project manager, the Gap. And I secretly like the Gap too, but you know. All right, so as we, we go to Zappos, let's take a look at this and, and let's do the same activity again. Breathe it in. Now, what do we like? Anybody? 
Lots of product info. Good. Price. price. Well, you like the price of the bag, or you just like where it's at? Right on. Something, something, A to Z. Much cleaner, right on, yeah? Shows you the color instead of using text, yeah? What I liked is they actually took the meat of their content, made it gray so you could actually separate the, you know, differentiate it from the other stuff on the page. Even though the, the other sides are a little bit cluttered, that color differentiation made my eye go there, it was pretty nice. And the really cool thing that, that I found when we went through this was uh, this thing right here. I know. I'm athletic. Um, so they've got this thing that's it's the zap me tiny URL component for sharing. Kind of, so think about that because you use like a, I don't know, you'll, you'll use tiny URL or is good or whatever the hell they are. Um, but Zappos goes ahead and creates it for you. That's a hell of a way to share things. It's not post it to Facebook. It's not, you know, copy paste this long URL with this really weird name in it or whatever it is and have to IM it to somebody or send it an email and it truncates or breaks or does whatever it does. So they give you a URL that you can easily put into any format for sharing. So if you're a Twitter user, and I see some of you are, hi, Wit. Um, <laughs> I have no pictures of you in the slideshow today. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so that's an interesting thing, you know, anytime you want to buy anything. So again, she shares with her, her father and her, uh, her husband this is a really nice thing if she uses Twitter, I am, just send it there. And it's a permanent URL that they generate every time. <coughs> so everybody has an opinion about this. Um, but let's do it. Come on, I like it when you guys participate. Huge product shot. Huge product shot. That's all anybody has to say about Apple. And you all have them. Anti -alias text. Something, something. Oh, anti-alias text. I got that, yeah. What, what? Pithy, right on. Written, written by a human for a human. Excellent. So it's, it's a very, it, look, it's simply gorgeous, right? It's a, it's a fantastic layout. Hell, I've got the Mac. It, I made, it made me buy it. One of the things that, that was found was uh, these images, when you click on them, it just changes the view above. You, um, on the HP site, it pops up a window, and you have to click, and it does a loading thing, and it's just it's an arduous pain in the ass. Nobody likes that. So the large view, it doesn't require you to pop open a, a window, and it leaves you within the same experience, but still gives you something very rich and visual to look at. Uh, and the text, what I, I think that, Whitney, you said the, the pithy text, but it's true. They really don't try to bore you with all the specs and details. You can move on if you really care about that, and I think that's a certain part of the population who, who wants that, and it's there for them. So let's take a look at Etsy. Nobody laughs at Domo-kun? All right. So Etsy. Um, probably not as sophisticated as the last couple of ones we looked at, but what do we got? What's everybody see? Nice large product shot. Add it to the cart in two places. Bingo. Come here, you get a book. Because that's the one I chose. See? Play nice. Look what you get. Um, so yeah, the, the price and the add to the cart call to action at the top and the bottom of the page that's really awesome for when you scroll down and, and you break that, oh, I hate that, break the damn fold, right? So it's an easy win for them. All right, so let's take a look at the gap. We all know why I like this. Argyle, yeah, that's, I buy right away. So what else is good about the gap? Embedded sizing and checking prices and sizes available. Right on, embedded, so you're saying real-time inventory, right? 
Yeah? Did I say that? All right. Good enough. Anybody else besides Argyle and what I just said? Most of the information you need is at the top. That's right. Only the information you need. Only the information you need is on the page. Excellent. Somebody else? What's that? Excellent. Yeah, good point. It, it highlights how you're going to get it. Easy shipping, checkout, et cetera, or e easy shipping, shipping, and easy checkout. Yeah, well, I mean, Christina tells us that we don't use navigation anyway, so why make it too important, right? Yes? Not a lot of words. Blah, blah, Argyle. It's all you need. But here's what's really cool. This is kind of the setup. What's really cool, right, is when you mouse over the Argyle, you get to go right into it. Um, so this awesome Argyle sweater vest, you can see the awesome detailed view of the awesome Argyle, right? Because a connoisseur of Argyle, you have to know your patterns and you have to be able to kind of match them to socks and all that other crap. Now, let's be honest, you really need, need to know all that stuff when you're buying it, right? All right, just saying. So, so now you, comp you, you compile the feedback, right? You get everything that, that we've all talked about, you, you kind of put it together, <coughs> and you write it all up, and you create the document. So here's the document template. I've got it in Adobe Illustrator, and it's online. Look, there's a URL. It's, well, you can't hardly see it because of my fat head, sorry. Uh, userglue.com slash heuristic.zip. It's an Illustrator file, and it's a really simple one. And if we'd have done seven of these, this presentation would have gone a lot longer. Um, and there's still a little here left, don't worry. Um, so here's what it's going to show. It's going to show the screen that you reviewed, which we've got a nice picture of that, kind of highlighted them up there in orange, and, and show the areas that we focused on. Talk about the problem on the page, which is the product detail is limiting the user experience. Um, give an explanation as to why. So that, there's so much information on the page, we want to explain what that means. Then we're going to give some recommendations. Uh, simplify the content displayed on the page. Display larger product photos on the page. Allow users to zoom into product photos for more detail. Add an easy-to-use URL shortening service for sharing. Provide a cart slash purchase calls to action below the fold. All things that, that Hewlett Packard doesn't do. Um, and it, it's kind of pretty. If you put, you know, six, seven, eight of these together in a deck and leave them behind, it doesn't look so bad. What's the high concern? High concern is, um, this is too much. I'm sorry, good point. So the high concern is, is I think, in, in reviewing this, that this is causing them to not sell a lot of product. Because people can't look at this and quickly say, this is what I want. They have to read, spend a lot of time. It looks like it's geared more towards somebody who's in the tech set, who's an engineer, which makes a lot of sense given who it's coming from. How do your readers distinguish between high concern and something else when they're reading your report? Well, it's rule of thumb. So it's, it's kind of our guess, right? I mean, I'm, very honestly, this is not, it's not going to, I would call this a high concern for them when looking at the other sites that we've looked at. Uh, and we haven't looked at, you know, we're not telling them who we looked at to get this information. We're just using that to compile the results. Did I not answer your question well enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's user, userglue.com. Just done. <laughs> Thanks. He's brief and entertaining if not embarrassing himself. Hey, Russ, do I, um, is there a, is there like a, a slight yellow highlight around those two boxes? 
Yeah, that's, I, there's an orange stroke kind of around the areas that are down here. So it's just it's to highlight kind of the... I'm not going to jump again. Thanks. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. So the real question, right? So what? Why do we go through all this? Well, like I said before, this, this, is, this helps you kind of break out from the just an IA role. And, and I'll be honest with you, that happened to me. I had a job where I, I worked there, and, and somebody started in the, in the producer role. And he came up to me, and I said, hey, how you doing? I'm Russ. And he's like, and what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a senior IA. And he's like, oh, you're just an IA. Just an IA. Um, and to him, that was sitemaps and wireframes. And I'll be honest with you, it pissed me off. Uh, I, I just cleared this up with him after two years and let him know what he did. Because um, I don't think any, any of us, any of you, are just IAs, even if um, you fit in that little IA role that we discussed yesterday. And that's just not the case. That sometimes those are situations that are beyond your control. So what this does is it gets you out of that doing just sitemaps and wireframes. And, and it lets people know that, that what we do requires serious thinking, that we actually don't just you know, sit on our asses and move boxes and arrows around. That's not what we do. We do a lot of synthesizing. We listen to you. We take things and turn it into something that's really valuable and well thought out. So not only does it, does it do that, but we're going to show that to other people with other disciplines. So what, we, we talk to a developer. Developers probably know what you do and rely on, on you to make their lives easier. But the account teams, the project managers or product managers may not fully get that. So you're exposing them to something that's a little bit beyond what they're used to. I think they're just used to getting things in a lot of cases and they move ahead. Uh, we're a service bureau for them. So it also kind of gives you the low-hanging fruit. Uh, most clients, I would bet Hewlett Packard knows everything on this page. I, I bet I didn't rock their world. In fact, I bet there's people there who've been bitching about this for two, three years now. But we give them a nice deliverable and we leave it to them. And, and you know, it, so I kind of say that, that this is my wife's haircut theory. And I love my wife, beautiful lady. But if I tell her, hey, you know, this haircut in this magazine here looks really cute. And I think on you, it would look pretty awesome. You should get that haircut. Next day, nothing happens. Next day, nothing happens. Next day, she talks to her sister. Her sister says, you know, you'd look really cute in this haircut. And it's like Mario Tricosi's on speed dial. And I've had this happen. I got 37 signals once as well. And I worked for a company that may or may not have been a Volkswagen company. And they may or may not have seen Jason Fried speak somewhere in one of his marketing classes. And they may or may not have paid him about $25,000 to come in and do a one to two day review of the organization. And it was fantastic because all the things I'd talked about for two to three years came up in Jason's $25,000 review except he didn't have to deal with any of the encumberments of existing systems, existing processes and boundaries and politics and all the other crap that the rest of us have to deal with. So it's kind of that wife's haircut theory. Sometimes you just need an outsider to tell you. And when you've been embedded in the system so long, people forget that what you have to say is valuable and that you know, you're truly the expert in the room. So you're also leaving clients with, with um, either this is in the sales deck or it's something that you can leave behind a nice, nice document. And then basically what you're saying is, this is what you get for free. Imagine what you'll get when you pay us. And you, you've made friends with other people on the inside of the company who are bound to engage you on other things. And with that, yay, I'm done. <laughs>
To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesandarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.